Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. My name is Ben. If we've not met, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm um, honored to be with you this morning. I I love this video. It's kind of an old video. It's like a skincare lotion commercial or something. I don't even know, but I just thought, man, they really hit the nail on the head with this thing. I mean, uh, that one question that they asked everybody, the kids and the adults, if you could change one thing about your body, what would it be? And I'm, I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, when that question was asked, we had our own thing. I mean, it was ready to go, right? Um, but I loved the purity and the innocence of these kids. It's, you could tell that we as adults have been, have been scarred in life. We've been wounded a little. You know, we've all gone through middle school already. So, I mean, that's enough in and of itself. But these kids had a purity about them. Adults saying, you know, the puffiness of my cheeks or just, you know, there's all sorts of body image things that we would, we would change instantly if we could. But the kids, it's like, I'd have a mermaid tail or legs like a cheetah so I could run fast or teeth like a shark so I could eat a bunch of stuff. You know, I love the creativity and the imagination that was still there with the kids. And we've, we've had these experiences, all of us in this room, that have kind of led to us being a bit guarded or offended or hurt. Some of it we bring on ourselves a little bit. You just have thoughts about ourselves that nobody's even made fun of us about. And some of it is because people have hurt us. Some of us have been really uh, traumatically hurt, very real things. But these experiences have led and shaped, you know, our thoughts and our beliefs and our feelings, which have shaped, you know, our action or maybe lack of action, which has then shaped more experience. And there's this cycle that goes on. I have my own stuff. I can talk about plenty of body image things that I've struggled with throughout my life. And even, you know, here recently, there's other things. I remember this time period when I was a kid that um, I hated my name. My name's Ben. And I hated it because it was probably around middle school is the kids would act like my last name is Dover. So they'd call me Ben Dover, you know, and I just, you can laugh. It's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm getting healed. Um, no, it's, it's funny, but there was a season there where it's like, I'll take anybody else's name, but, but Ben, you know, I hated it. And I would look at other guys or, you know, man, they're so cool or they, they got it going on. I wish I looked like them. or could be like them. We all have experienced this, right? My wife has even shared with me um, as we've been together, and and she gave me permission to share this, so I'm not going to get in trouble here in a minute, you know. Um, But I remember when we first started dating and got married, you know, she has freckles and moles and things like that, but she was so, um, she hated that about herself. I remember her talking to me about, even in high school and stuff, she would do everything she could to cover that mole up, you know, and this, because she felt like it was ugly and would think these things, like, if I could just have skin like her, and I, I remember like, well, that was one of the things I was attracted to. Like, I thought it was kind of hot, you know, like, and so, but for her to feel that, like, she would come to me like, are you for real? Like, you find that attractive? I'm like, yeah. But for so long, she believed and built this belief cycle that this was a flaw, not a feature. And so there's this thing in therapy is I've gone through some counseling. I've been through some counseling and worked on some of these things in my own life that maybe you're familiar with. It's called a belief cycle. I'm going to show it to you here on the screen. And there's different versions of this, you know, but they're all pretty much the same. And it talks about like we have these experiences that proves these beliefs that informs and drives our thoughts and feelings and behavior or maybe lack of behavior, lack of action we're going to take because of this, which then determines the experience and we go into this cycle. Now, not all all cycles are unhealthy, 
Some of them are healthy thoughts and healthy feelings and healthy experiences, and that drives healthier thoughts and healthier feelings and actions. But some of them are unhealthy, and we are not surprised by this. We've all experienced it. And as I've been processing this for a number of years now, I've found that Scripture actually talks a tremendous amount about this. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. We're going to be in Romans 12. If you want to turn there, that's going to be a primary place. But we're going to talk about various Scriptures because I want you to see the thread here. That the same kind of language, the same teaching that the Word gives us about what it is to be in this sort of belief cycle and how it is to create new habits, a new belief cycle. Now, here's what I was surprised with that I think you're going to find, too, this morning, is that as I studied Scripture and, and looked at what does God have to say about this, as I, as you even heard, was starting, if you want to throw the belief cycle up there one more time, I know I'll throw them before Luke, but... Um, I always start with experience. It's because of this experience, this particular experience that's informed why I feel and think and believe and behave this way, which then informs more experience. I always start from that place. But scripture seems to start from the place of the mind, my thinking. Even as he talks to us here in a moment about creating a new healthy cycle, a new belief cycle when there's maybe an unhealthy one, he starts from the place of renewing our mind. Not modifying our behavior, trying to get a new experience that can kind of cover that one up, or let's pretend that one didn't exist and stuff it under the rug. It's starting from a place of a renewed mind. Let's look at it together in Romans 12. We see it even as you're turning there, you know, and Proverbs has a very poetic way of talking about this truth. It says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. As a man thinks within himself, so he is. But see how it matches up here with Romans 12, and you start in verse 1. It says it this way. This is Paul talking. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, and we're going to read a lot of his words today. He says it, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, in light of the mercies of God, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg you, I implore you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is what worship is, is I'm all in with Jesus, offering your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. Look at verse 2. He tells us, do not be conformed any longer to this age. Some of your passages and scriptures may say it like this, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we will be able to discern what is the good pleasing, and perfect will of God. And we see this choice for us of being conformed, continuing to be conformed to this age, to this culture, to the pattern of this world. Other places, he uses language like our flesh and, and the earth and things like that. We see the choice of being conformed to the, the pattern of this world or being transformed by the renewing of our mind. This being conformed to the world, to this age, it's, it, we're not surprised by this. We've all lived it. You kind of feel that directional tug constantly to do the things the world does and think the way the world thinks and, and pursue the things and go after coping mechanisms and, and these types of things that the world says, this is what you need, this helps me, let's do this, versus what the Bible says. What does Jesus say about it? And we see this tension. The word I like to use is influence. 
We all have influence in our lives. The thing that we, we allow um, to, that we allow ourselves to see, the people we allow ourselves to be around as influence, friends, uh, the culture we're in. We see the, the news we watch, the, the programs we watch, the music we listen. There's just a number of things that is always influenced. Some of the times we don't even realize how much it's influenced, but this doesn't surprise us, does it? We understand there's influence in our life constantly, constantly. Again, some of those are healthy. Some of them are unhealthy. But what I want us to see uh, also is how this is all throughout Scripture. Let's look at Romans 8. Um, It says this, For those who live according to the flesh, another way of saying that, conform to the world, they do that because they have their minds set on things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit of God, they do that because they have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. So if I want to have my life directionally pointed toward things of the Spirit, I need to have my mind on the Spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh only leads to death, but the mindset of the spirit leads to life and peace. So when that's presented in front of us, you can be conformed to the pattern of this world. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The the path of being transformed or being conformed to the pattern of this world and living in flesh and my mind being set on the flesh is only death, but my mindset set on the things of the spirit is life and death. Which one would you prefer? When we've all experienced the being conformed to the pattern of this world. We're used to that. We know that struggle. Even though we try and we think this might work and we go after the things of the world, we know that it only leads to unhappiness and unsatisfaction and and a lack of hope. Colossians 3 says it like this, that we should set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. We should seek heavenly things. It's all throughout Scripture. And we get this. I think most of us, maybe all of us in this room would be like, I get it. I want this one, not this one. I want to be transformed. I want life and peace. I want hope. I don't want these things. But even those of us who have given our life to Jesus, we we have this struggle if you're like me. We see places in Scripture that say things like, hey, when you are in Christ, when you've surrendered your life to Christ, you know what? He even gives you the mind of Christ. There's the Holy Spirit living in you and pointing you to all truth. We see other places in Scripture that talks about, hey, when you're in Christ, you've actually taken off the old self and put on the new self. You're a new creation. And that all sounds good and it's all true, but I think we hear those things and we go, then why am I still struggling? Why do I still struggle with anger and bitterness? Why am I still struggling with this addiction? Why am I not finding happiness and joy? Why do I do these things and not these things when I really want to do that? I just can't seem to stop overthinking and and all this stuff. Why? Why? You're not alone in that. Paul, the same person that wrote what we said earlier, says this in Romans 7, and I think Romans 7, and I think he says it so beautifully and so well. I'm going to read it to you. So stay with me here. He says it like this: "For I do not understand what I am doing, because I don't practice what I want to do, but I tend to do what I hate. Now, if I do not do what I don't want to do, It's like I'm agreeing with the law of sin that that's good. So now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's like sin living in me, pushing me this direction, being conformed to the world. For I know that nothing good lives in me. That's my flesh that he talks about. He says it like this, for the desire to do what is good, it's within me, but I don't seem to have the ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice evil that I don't want to do. And now I do what I don't want, It's like I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin living in me. When I want to do what is good, evil's always present with me. For my inner self, man, I delight in God's law. But I see this different law of sin all throughout different parts of my body and hear the words that says it's like waging war in my body. 
waging war with the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin all throughout different parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who would rescue me from this body destined for death? I love that we didn't even plan this, but we sang this song, Oh, About God, earlier, and it talks about this, this rescuing he does. Because you see that even, this shift right here in this passage. He goes, from what a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this? Oh, but God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I'm now serving the law of God and my flesh struggling with the law of sin. It talks about this war, and I think that's an important part for us to talk about next. The reason we still struggle with this, even when we've given our life to Christ, is there's a real war going on. There's a spiritual war going on. There's a war for your soul. There's a war for your heart. There's a war for your mind. There's a war for your kids. There's a war for your grandkids, for your cousin, your neighbor, your friend, your coworker. There's a war going on. Now, this isn't a war that when I say that, we don't have to tense up and be afraid because we already know who has victory in this war. If you're in Christ, there is victory in Jesus. We used to sing that song growing up, and it's true. But the full victory has not come yet. We're praying for that day, as it, is, it will come. We sang about it as well today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Watching and waiting. He's coming, and there'll be full, complete victory. But until then, there's a very real war going on inside of us and in our world. And there's a very real enemy. Jesus talked about him to us. He's the devil. He is Satan. Hear it this way. He says it like this. Jesus in John 8 says, he does not stand in truth. This is how you can recognize him, and you know who he is. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Zero, none, nada, no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks lies. He speaks from his own nature and character, which is lies. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. Jesus tells us this. And Paul encourages us with this in Ephesians. He said, we should put on the full armor of God. He has this beautiful metaphor of the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and so on and so forth. We should put on this full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers of darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. For this reason, we should take up the full armor of God so that we may be able to resist the devil. We need to be able to acknowledge, which so often I don't do. I live my day-to-day -day a little more conformed to the pattern of this world, kind of acting like this doesn't exist and a little bit passive with it and not acting like there's a real war going on for my family and for my kids and for my wife and for you, for our community, for my mind. But I don't have to be afraid. I can put on the armor of God. And that first piece of armor is the belt of truth that it talks about. See, if we know our enemy and we know there's a war and we have a proper perspective about it, and he's the father of lies and a primary weapon he's going to use is the lie to us. If he can just get that lie in our minds, if we can just believe that and chase that, and that becomes the belief cycle as we st he starts with the mind. If we believe this lie, then it informs our patterns of behaviors and our feelings, and that informs our experience and our expectations. That informs more of our belief if he can get us to bite that. And that's not surprising to us. We see it all throughout Scripture. Go back to Adam and Eve. You see it in the garden. Well, God's not really going to do that, right? It's just enough little bits of truth or maybe a little bit of light to sprinkle in there and salt and pepper it so that it can get us going. He tries it with Jesus in the wilderness when he's tempting him. He's throwing out scripture at Jesus. 
And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not true. You're manipulating this. And Jesus holds firm, gives us a model of what to do there. It should not surprise us that this enemy, a primary weapon he uses is lying to us and trying to bite into that lie with our minds. But your primary weapon, if his weapon is lies, our weapon is truth, right? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But Jesus is showing us through the, Paul's teaching and word that we start with setting our mind on truth, setting our mind on things above. First Peter 1 tells it like this, that there is a war going on in a way that you can fight and battle and win victoriously in Jesus is keep your minds ready for action. So what does that look like? All that sounds good, right? I believe what you're saying is true. It's in the Bible. How do I renew my mind? If a renewed mind and starting with my thinking leads to transformation, which is what I want in Jesus, I want to see that happen in my life, in my family's life, in my neighbor's life. How do I do that? We're going to finish with four things that's going to help you renew your mind and help me renew my mind. Number one, we start back at Romans 12 that we started with. It says to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What does that look like? First and foremost, if you're in here, you're online with us, and you've not given your life to Jesus, you've not said yes to him, is that I want to be a Christian, I trust you, I want you to lead my life, we have to start there. Everything we're talking about, about hope and redemption and life and peace and abundant life and transformation does not matter if you don't have Jesus. If he's not leading your life, if you are not in him, it has to be there. Then all these things can come to pass. And so I want to offer that to you. If that's you here today, don't leave today. What a better way to celebrate Thanksgiving and this holiday than to say, thanks be to God, Christ Jesus, my Lord, and you to give your life to him. Romans 10 says it like this. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Anybody, anybody, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what your belief cycle has been, what's been done to you. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And that can happen today. Jason, me, tons of serve team in this room that I see you. Any of us would love to help you walk through that process today. But it's simple. We don't have to overcomplicate it. It's simply confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead and that he's the Messiah, he's king. You'll be saved. We have to start there. But also with offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, that means that we're all in with Jesus. Every bit of it. Every bit of who I am. My full body is in with Jesus. Now, if you're like me, I like the idea of Jesus as my Savior. I like singing these songs that says, in this scripture that Paul said, what a wretched man I am. Who could rescue me from this body of death? I feel him when he says that. I'm like, what he said. I can't say it better than that. I love these songs that talk about, oh, but God, he rescued us. And I just want to sing praise to him because I know the depravity of my sin and what my destiny should be. But God saved us. I, I love singing that because I was hopeless without him. He's moved in my life. He's brought salvation. I'm seeing it happen with my sons and my wife saved, and we're seeing it with friends, and it's just, there's nothing better. I love singing about that. What I don't like as much is Jesus as Lord of all of my life. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, king of everything, of my mind, of my thoughts, of my money, of my job, of my time, of my kids, of my wife. 
See, God gave these to me as resources, as a gift. These kids he's given me to steward and shape and love. My wife, to love her as Christ loves the church, but they are not mine. They are his. He created me, he created you, he created everything, and he gave them to me, and I'm so blessed and thankful. I'm blessed to be with you and in this church. But he's asked me to be a steward of these things, and it's him who's in charge. I ask him, God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to today? How should I spend my time today? And my response is simply, yes, here I am. Send me. And that all sounds good at church on a stage. You're like, yeah. That's hard when COVID's happening and God's like, hey, it's time to move to Bastrop. Where's Bastrop? We're going to look at this church and this job, and I'm not certain about the pay. And I know your wife's pregnant with your third child, but it's going to be okay. You know, just pack them all up and let's go. And um, it gets harder when it's things like that. But we trust and obey and say, I'm all in. Every bit of it, my time, my energy, my thoughts, my family, it's all for you, Jesus. You tell me what to do, I'll go. You tell me when, I'll be there. It's harder to have Jesus as Lord. We like the idea of Savior, but that's what it is. Our body, all of our body, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Number two, we test our thoughts. If you look in Philippians 4, 8, it starts with this. It says, don't be anxious about anything. You don't have to worry or be anxious about anything, but rather go to God in prayer. And the peace of God, that sounds pretty good which passes all understanding, doesn't make any sense when he's telling you to move and take up your family and go and go. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always work out on paper financially. But if we trust him with it, it says that he'll give us his peace. And then it says this, he will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We are to let our minds, don't miss this word, dwell. We should think on these things. What are these things? It lists out whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and excellent and commendable and worthy of praise, think on these things. Dwell on these things. I need to be able to learn how to test my thoughts. And as I find myself thinking about things and overthinking things in my belief cycle and my thought patterns going in an unhealthy direction, I'm able to stop and go, does it match this? Does it match what God tells me to think on, to dwell on? Test it against the character of God. God's character, it talks about God is love. He created love, but he is love. You can interchange love and God when you read 1 Corinthians 13, which I would encourage you to do this week and think on the words. What is love? Patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it doesn't puff up its chest and arrogant. Want what you have, not what I have. It's lovely, it's pure, it believes all things, hopes all things. Does my, do my thoughts match the character and nature of God? I know the character and nature of my enemy, a liar. The character and nature of God is truth and good and holy. He doesn't bring shame on me. When I start feeling that shame and that guilt, that's not from the Lord. It's from the enemy. It's from me. It's from what other people say about me. Who's, who's God? What is God? I need to test my thoughts and feelings against that. Number three, when I find that my thoughts are not healthy and doesn't match these, don't match these, 
what do I do? I need to take my thoughts captive, it says. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.5 here, or just write it down. I'll read it to you. It says, though we walk in the flesh, again, there's that word, walk according to the world, the pattern of this world. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. There's that language again. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is how we fight our battles with praise and thanksgiving, and we take our thoughts captive. When we find that our thoughts are not lovely and pure and commendable and excellent and look like Jesus, we take them captive. Now, if you're like me, again, I find that at times my brain likes to sabotage me. I can have a perfectly good day going on. The birds are chirping, sunshine, I've got my coffee I'm bebopping to work. My kids are acting cool. They're not being all crazy, you know, and it's just, man, I'm having a good day. And it's like my mind goes, man, you're having a great day, aren't you? I'm like, yes, I am. He's like, hey, remember that stupid thing you did 21 years ago to your best friend? Well, now I do. But then it, it goes into this pattern. I find myself overthinking. And the next thing I know, it's ruined my day. My joy is gone. And I'm yelling at my kids and I'm frustrated, and I'm up all night. I finally get them to bed, my wife goes to bed, and I find myself pacing in the living room. And if anybody could see in my house, they're like, what's wrong with him? You know, it's the lights are on, and I'm just pacing and thinking, like, man, if I would have maybe just said this to Levi, if I would have maybe said I'm sorry one more time, if, you know, I start looking him up, on, I don't even know what he's doing. I haven't talked to him in 20 years because he cut me out. And I'm disappointed by what I see on Facebook. Man, maybe if I would have just done this, things would have been different for him and his family. I don't know his story, and I have to stop and take my thoughts captive. Because I already said I was sorry. I've asked God for repentance from that so many times. I hate that that ruined our friendship but I'm not in control of his life. And God's bigger, and I know it, I read it, than any mistake I could have made. But I can't help but overthink, chase that, and it just drives me crazy. And I'm up all night, and I'm losing sleep, I'm losing joy, and if I can just take that thought captive, say, not today, Satan, as cliche as it is, you don't get to take my family. You don't get to take my joy I would never let just somebody into my house, like kids are in the top floor, the fancy stuff's in the safe under the bed. I would never do that. That's stupid. But I do that so often with the enemy. I act like there's not a war coming. I'm just like, come on in. Kids are right up there. Wife's over there. My mind's right here. Get after it. No, you don't get to take that from me. God's given me power with the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit leading me to truth, the weapon that works. And you have the power, if you are in Christ Jesus, to stop, say, not right now, not today. And I point my faith to Jesus and say, I can't help Levi anymore, but you can, Jesus. You're the one who heals and saves and redeems and restores. I can't even do it anyways. Even if I said the right words at the right time, it doesn't mean that he's going to receive that and choose you, Jesus. He needs you. Put people in his life. And now I start to pray for Levi instead of swimming in this thought process is, God, he needs you. Would you bless him? Would you help him, his family? I don't even know what's going on, but he's yours. I release him to you, and I trust in the forgiveness that you've already given me, and I'm going to walk in that truth. That's one example. 
to test your thoughts, take them captive. You have the power to do it. You don't have to just be stuck and this is the way it is. Nah. Number four, the last one. Would we let the word of Christ richly dwell within us? Colossians 3.16 says it like this. Let the word of God dwell, and here's that word again, don't miss it, dwell richly among you. In all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude to God in your hearts. That's why we sing like we did this morning. That's why we sing the songs we sing. Very biblically based, very scriptural. So that the word of truth will be in us. I hope that song gets stuck in your head all day so that you're thinking about, oh, oh, blessed assurance. And it just sticks in your brain because it's the truth of God. It's the word of God living in you, breathing in you, pointing you to all truth. That's why we talk so often about we love, we grow, we give, we go. We have to have the word. If you want to know the truth and the truth will set you free, you have to know the truth. This isn't about checking a box, say like, I read my Bible today. I'm a good, you know, I'm trying, I'm doing it. No. Nobody's got time for that, checking boxes. We read the word of God because this is truth. I don't care what our culture says about, man, thank you for sharing your truth. Man, what's your truth? Here's my truth. Let's all kind of make our truths try to live together in harmony. It's garbage. It's that little lie and deception that the enemy is giving our culture to believe. This is truth. If my thoughts don't line up with this, if my feelings don't line up with this, if my beliefs don't line up with this, it's a lie. This is truth, but I have to know this have to spend time with it. This is a primary way that God speaks to all of us. It's not the only way. We also need to be praying with him, spending time in prayer. He's going to talk directly to you, and a big part of my prayer has to be listening, not just vomiting all my wants and to-dos like a genie in a bottle. It's God, what do you want? Here I am. Send me. How do you want me to love? How do you want me to parent my kids? How do you want me to love my wife? How do you want me to lead this small group? How do you want me to do this? Who am I supposed to talk to today? I know it because I know truth. We have to have this. We need to spend time in the word and let it dwell richly in you. And what you'll find is it becomes easier and easier as I go throughout my day and my thoughts are chasing and being conformed to the pattern of this world that I'm able to stop and go, no, that's not truth because I know truth. And I start quoting scripture at the enemy and then I start talking to Jesus like, I don't get him out of here. I want to hear from you, Jesus. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. One illustration I'll leave you with, and I just love this. I stole this from another pastor, but it was so good. I'll act like it was mine. I uh, got this cup of tea here. You know, you dip in and dip out, and the hot water becomes tea, right? The longer it's in there, the richer and more robust and stronger it becomes I laugh because my oldest son, Cress, he's 11 years old. We have an 11-year-old, 7-year-old, and 3-year-old. And he's kind of in that season right now where, you know, we get the younger ones to bed, and he gets a little time with the adults, and we kind of watch a show or hang out or play a game. And lots of nights, he did it this week. He's like, hey, Dad, can I have some tea? Sure, buddy. (laughs) I was raised like country Texas. He's apparently being raised like he's British. And so it's whatever you want, buddy. Um... But as I think about this and I think about what it is to have the word of Christ richly dwell within me, and that be my prayer for you, is that once this bag hits the water, it's no longer water. It's been transformed completely. 
it's only 100% fully tea. But the longer this is in here, the stronger it becomes. The more we spend time with Jesus and we fight through those difficult times of like reading Leviticus and we just, we press on through and we keep saying, I need your truth. I need your word. I want it to live within me. I want you to lead my life, Jesus, where my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways, not your ways. Isaiah 55, would you make my thoughts your thoughts? Because I know your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. I want that. That's confession. I want you. I want truth. And I see the effect that it has on my life. That's my prayer for you today and my prayer for me, frankly. Is that what I would offer and learn to offer my body as a full living sacrifice to God Almighty. That you would test your thoughts. Is it true? That you would take those thoughts that aren't captive and point them to Jesus. And that you would dwell richly in the word of God and let it dwell richly in you. And as he tells us, Jesus does in John. If I remain in you, and you remain in me, if we abide with each other, the fruits of the Spirit will be evident in our life. We're going to sing a song here, and what I don't want you to do is don't get up and leave. Some of us have gotten in a bad habit of, of leaving, and we can duck out early and catch some lunch, or we go pick up the kids, and I don't want you to do that because, you know, our kids are doing worship right now, too. They're spending time with Jesus. They're learning about Jesus, and as soon as you go get your kid, every kid does this, and it's game over, okay? So five more minutes. And I want this for you. We've built this song as a response to this. I want you to do work with Jesus. If you want to get up and sing and pray and praise and give him everything, that's great. If you want to sit there contemplative and just work through some of this, God, I need this, I want this, just be real with the Lord. He'll be real with you. This is your time to do some work with him. So let's stand. We're going to sing. And this is my prayer for you, that you would dwell richly with the Lord. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.